Hey guys, uh, welcome to the Counterculturalist Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie, and we have Isaiah with us today, and we got our guest, Lydia, with us. So, um, Lydia, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, like maybe your last name, and then <laughs> and then go to, uh, go to maybe uh, where you go to school and where you work at, stuff like that. All right, so my name is Lydia Sandifer. I am almost 20 years old. I go to Boyce College here in Louisville. Um, I just recently acquired a second job, so I have two now to help pay for school. And so I work at Chick-fil-A most of the time at Chick-fil-A Sunnybrook. And then I work um, where we are now (laughs) at Sundergoss, but baking for all the locations. So Okay, cool. So how did you... um me and Isaiah, Isaiah was, I was blessed enough to be invited to be a part of Counterculturalist through him and through Nathan. Um, but how did you get involved? Because you are a writer on it, right? Yes. Okay, cool. Okay. So I kind of never said this to you before, Isaiah, but I kind of really wanted to get invited. But I like stuff that I've written, like you may comment or something or like, like it or whatever. But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to ask. And so I messaged you uh, when I was up at an ungodly hour like I usually am and was like hey would you want a female writer and then basically long discussion kind of an interview over messenger on Facebook and I'm a part of the team now there yep. you go I'm excited there you go okay so what was your first experience with Lydia uh, we were in religion in the public square together but hadn't really talked or anything introduced each other yeah. at all until she reached out to me on Facebook so I just knew her through social media it's how a lot of voice students get to know each other, just through other people, through social media. And we've been looking to add a female writer for a while, but haven't really found anybody that even wants to write with us. <laughs> um, so when Lydia reached out, it was a breath of fresh air to see that she agreed with us theologically, that she was on board with what we believe. And uh, yeah, we're excited to have her on the podcast and see what see what comes out of her pen in the near future. So let me ask you this. Why do you want to be hated by a lot of people that go to your school and then by a lot of people you go to work with and then by a lot of people that go you go to church with probably? Why do you want to be hated um, by all these people? A lot of people are actually really excited. So I guess I know some good people. There you go. Good but, for you. That's um, awesome. I think like um, if you're listening now and hate Isaiah Liberto with a passion <laughs> or <laughs> Robbie or Nathan or whoever. Um, I think sometimes just thinking more deeply about what they're saying is a good approach, but also um, examining your own heart. And I would just like to be a female voice of like a, a different perspective. I know a yeah. lot of um, times it can seem just like constantly just men are talking down at us, you know, and stuff like that. Um, but just a female voice that agrees. And also, um, I do believe as long as we're humbly like seeking to think through issues well and seeking the truth and like looking at the word of God, which I know you guys do in the podcast and for your posts and everything. Like if someone hates me or hates us for that without really any reason or even against the Bible, then like that's not um, something that we're doing wrong. Although we, I believe are open to criticism mm-hmm. yeah. and a good conversation right. about like a good criticism right. um, and not just like a, I hate you right without yeah. wanting yeah. to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess from my perspective, um, I think it is definitely helpful to know that there are female voices that do agree with some of what we say because I feel like it it's kind of unfortunate, but it seems like it's far and few between. Mm-hmm. And we have less of, I don't know, maybe it's just because we're guys. Yeah, but I don't think less, that there's many men yeah. either. I just think that we kind of found each other easier Yeah, because like – men usually hang out with more men and yeah. less women and yeah so and that's, vice versa yeah, that's why it was more of a boys club at first just because like it was just me and my buddies and people who i knew and didn't know too many women at the school especially not women who kind of firmly agree with us on this kind of stuff yeah okay yeah. so getting into firmly agreeing with us on this kind of stuff so a lot of a lot of basically we had this uh talk last time we talked about like feminism and me and isaiah uh got into it with nathan as well and just conversations about that stuff and so 
that's like a very cultural topic. So Isaiah, you have more of like, I would say probably come at it from a very like theological perspective. And I would say a lot of topics I approach at least at first, and I need to do better about this approaching it in a theological way, but I kind of look at it from more of a worldview kind of way or a um, like kind of like a political kind of way, I guess. But yeah, I, I love being around people that think theologically and things like that about these issues. So the first time we jumped into this, Nathan and Isaiah really... Um, surrounded this topic with a lot of just, okay, what does the Bible say about it? What are we going into and stuff like this? And so this is kind of the perspective that I take with it because maybe I'm just like a little more like like angry at it or something for some reason. But my first thing that I really wanted to talk about is like, okay, we heard all the stuff at the beginning. Now, how do we hate feminism well? And what do I mean by hate feminism well? What do you guys think I mean by hate feminism? Uh, I mean, I would say that we should hate anything that's godless, right? We should hate that which God hates. Um, We should be against that which God is against. Mm -hmm. God is obviously against egalitarianism. God is for complementarianism. He's for the way that he's designed the world to work, Um, the way that it is beautiful. uh, That's the view that we should support wholeheartedly. And I would say hating feminism well just means denouncing it, telling our friends who are engulfed in it that they need to escape from that. Um, I think that it means loving people well, which, uh, you know, making submission easy for your wives and uh, showing people what the Bible says in love, speaking the truth in love, um, which is not easy. Uh, People aren't going to like that message of complementarianism, of um, being against the worldly way of thinking about gender, but it's something that's necessary. It's something that we have to do. If we really believe that God's design is beautiful, then we should really be striving to be open about that. Yeah, definitely. So what what would you come at that with? I kind of like how he's also mentioned love in it, and it's like hating something that's wrong, but not just like so often we can just hate something that's wrong, hate it with a passion. Mm -hmm. But like what's the better alternative? What's the like true alternative? What's the way that... um, pleases God, you know, um, and displaying that in our own lives. I mean, none of us are married, but, you yeah. know, at one time, well, I guess right. Corbin is married, but yeah. none of us here in this room are married. Um, but like displaying it well when that time comes through marriage, but also you can display it well, like through friendship, yeah, through absolutely. like, you know, um, even dating relationships at mm-hmm. some point. So displaying it well and like showing how it makes um, the gospel beautiful, how right. it makes the Bible, like displays the Bible's beauty. Right. Um, right. In it yeah, as well. because all all men are supposed to protect all women, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like we're saying that complementarianism is only yeah, active yeah. within marriage. Like, there's ways that men and women are different outside of marriage that we can show people that we can honor outside of marriage. Just the thing that we need to be careful with is not saying every woman needs to submit to every man. That's a marriage covenant kind of thing that we want to keep in marriage. We want to make sure that we set those boundaries because every woman is not supposed to submit to every man. She's supposed to submit to her husband in Christ. And so we want to be careful to set that and also remember that outside of the marriage relationship, these differences show themselves and we can still find glory in them. I think what you guys are saying is basically this is, to hate something for the sake of Christ is to hate something with a purpose. Mm. I think that's kind of where you guys are going with this, that we have a purpose behind why we say, okay, we hate worldly feminism and mm-hmm. what it brings to the table and stuff like that. And so, um, but really we kind of got into like the logistics of it and just like stuff like that last time. But what about like, um, what do you, what do you think are some like consequences now of feminism in our actual society like so you know we live in very worldly north america you know just just like i mean us and canada really like are kind of on the same page with i think a lot of this stuff Mm -hmm. our northern states especially um and canada really are kind of like make that more uh liberal progressive push for feminism for worldly feminism um so what do you think, even in some in our big cities, we see it. So, what do you think are some consequences of feminism now? What do you What would you say? I would say, as much as a lot of women um, at Voice or 
especially outside of boys, yeah. would want to say that they're for feminism and they're for just being independent and, you know, they don't need a man and stuff like that. I think um, the reason that people who proclaim feminism hate men is because feminism has made, has taken away men's manhood. Like mm. feminism has taken away um, responsibility. Abil- responsibility and mm. their ability to be men well and and it's not just like a woman's fault it's not just a man's fault but when we say um as a woman you know when we say well i don't need a man to do this i don't want to be helped by man i don't want um to submit to any sort of like patriarchy or any sort of male authority then like what do we leave men to lead Mm, what do we leave men to be responsible for um like and this is i mean this is not a direct consequence but even like you know even some cases of you see them like how men have just been they have no true sense of manhood they don't mm. they don't um we don't give them the opportunity to protect right. and to love and to care for and to build us up because we just tear them down and deny any authority that mm. they may have so i think that's definitely like a big consequence um another consequence is just in your own personal thinking which i've noticed in my own life sometimes like little bits of that you know yeah. not, um how we can act on that even as a, a christian how we can just be um indoctrinated with this thinking in like little waves um mm-hmm. like even at work like wanting to like lift something by myself or do something by myself yeah. like it, it's not a bad thing to even ask for help even if you don't necessarily need the help you mm-hmm. know? but to it gives them an opportunity to love and care for you and it makes you feel loved and cared right. for when someone like can help you mm-hmm. even if you don't necessarily need the help mm, yeah so i would say like i've noticed some ways where i've not um let just men in general care for me well which i you know try to you know realize that and i guess repent of that and turn mm. away from that and, yeah yeah. yeah. I mean, I think even in the name feminism, the word kind of seems attractive, right? So like it, it its goal is to kind of draw you in and kind of make people be like, huh, feminism, what is this about? You know, female, you know, what it, it, we want, oh, we want to embrace and we want to empower females and stuff like this. And in the name, I think a lot of people get sucked into that mentality that, well, if w- women are equal, women are equal to, and, and that is totally true, women are equal, but we talked about playing equal but different roles, and right. we keep talking about that. And so um, I think because there's certain ways that females and males are wired and designed and stuff like that and you talked about um the i guess the emotional perspective of um wanting to do something yourself and then you know how how you know you should embrace other males and stuff like that coming along and helping you out in that would you say that that is in every area of life would you say for example when you're going into a specific job and you're in charge of a bunch of different people, males, females, uh, stuff like that, when you are the the top dog at the company, would you say that that's a wrong position to be in or would you say that that's a right position to be in? I think that it can easily be a wrong position to be in. Okay, why would you Um, say that? We have have female managers or like team leads at Chick-fil-A and but they balance out the males well. So I think like, mm-hmm. at least personally, like I wouldn't want to be like the person that like yeah. is is the top. Mm-hmm. But like you can share, I mean, depending on the situation, like depending on the company's logistics, but you could share authority in that way. Like generally, um, stuff we're usually on Fridays, we call it boys night when all the guy managers are there. <laughs> but, yeah. we, but at night, like um, generally there's at least one other girl um, and she's really sweet and like that kind of balances it out, you know, and it helps like um, then think about it helps the men think about the employees in a way that like maybe um, they wouldn't have thought about, you know, without like that woman's perspective. But I think um, it's also a matter of conscience and yeah. a matter of like, do you like because, you know, I think, you know, as I would know, like as a person. Yeah. Like this is. Like ruling over men in a way that like is not like really like great, and, and, and I yeah. wouldn't want that authority. But you know, not everyone would recognize that. Maybe, right. But like, I just wouldn't want that. I would say too, it's different 
when the Bible explicitly says something mm-hmm. and when it's not exa- not necessarily explicit about something, but it just shows you through nature and implication and stuff like that. And yeah. so um, I would say that it's different in the workplace versus the church or versus uh, mm-hmm. teaching, stuff yeah. like that. Um, that's a different kind of realm we're talking about. So I really want to differentiate well between those because I think there is a difference in the workplace. That's why I think there's a little more room to play with there rather than absolutely no room within the church. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Um, I would just add to that. um, It's like we can't say it's sin if there's like a woman who's a manager at Chick-fil-A. I'm not going to say that's sin. I'm not even going to say that's wrong. I don't really have a problem with that. But there might be a heart behind that that's evil. Like you said, it's a matter of conscience. It's like, what's your reasoning behind that kind of thing? And if all of the leaders at a corporation are women and none of them are men, what are the men doing wrong? Right? Yeah. Like, does that make sense? Yeah. And just to kind of, you know, backtrack a little bit, what you were saying about the consequences of feminism, like that was so well said, I think. Just uh, to say that, like, it, it hurts men when when feminism takes over. It hurts men because it takes away their natural purpose. It takes away their opportunity to use their strength well. Um, like if, if there's a man who's a feminist, like that dude is useless pretty much. Like that's not someone who I would want to fight alongside in anything in life, whether spiritually or emotionally or whatever. Um, and so like, like I remember I was in middle school and the youth pastor at this church that I was at, he was like, Hey, uh, if you guys could just, you know, get the chairs and ladies, you can go over here and do this. And one of the ladies was like, why can't we get the chairs? And I remember just being like, like, that was so gross to me. I was like, like, it's not about what you can do. Like, like you said, it's, you know, you can lift this thing, but why not let the men do that? Why not let them serve you in that way that they were made to do? That's really going to make them feel like they have purpose. That's going to be wonderful for them. And so we should be actively trying to feed into that on both sides. So it's that responsibility factor, right? You have to have responsibility. It's not just it's not just okay. Well, hold on. Let's talk about let's talk about this role and this this you know equality part and all this stuff. No, there's a responsibility men have. There's a responsibility women have, and it's equally important for them to work together right. in order for it to be a a proper right. society. Right. And again, it's not about it's not always about what you can and can't do. Yeah. It's just kind of about like how we're made, how we're wired, what we want to encourage, what kind of behavior we want to encourage. Like for example, I was over at uh, like a dinner with somebody who was like a mentor of mine. We were hanging out and his wife came to serve me something. And I was like, oh no, 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 that's okay. I can get it myself. And when she left, he was like, hey man, let her serve you. Like, it makes her happy when she serves you. Like, I want her to serve you. She wants to serve you. That's how she delights in the Lord. And so let her serve you. And it's not like I can't do it myself, but it's like, if I let her serve me, she's she's glorifying God through that. So we should be actively encouraging those kind of things. So like, in the same way that that feminism hurts men, I think that likewise, it it definitely hurts women because it puts them on the same level as men, which is going to hurt them in many ways. It tries to make them just like men, which is which actually devalues their womanhood, right? Mm-hmm. It devalues who they're meant to be. Um, and like just a practical example is if, if men and women are the same, that means that you're giving women rifles and putting them on the front lines of battle, and that hurts women, right? Mm-hmm. When that's the job that men are supposed to do. Um, those like front of the line combat positions that we see feminism like like what about a female draft what's wrong with that to feminists you know what i mean like like i don't know very many feminists who support that but like consistently they should but like to me that's obviously awful like to think about my mom or my sister going and fighting in a war overseas yeah like i can't even imagine that before you would go right 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 it's like i i don't want to go do that but i would go and do that to protect them yeah from having to face anything like that right we're supposed to bear burdens for one another and men are supposed to bear burdens for women in a different way than women bear burdens for men when i think about responsibility just it Mm -hmm. made me think like a lot of people um would again like maybe feminists maybe not but like hate men for like oh well that men just you know leave me as a single mom with my child or whatever but like that's literally like the issue of responsibility that we're talking about if a man just like 
wants to do whatever he wants with a woman and then just like if there's no one holding him accountable to be responsible you know yeah. that's like a common example in the world yeah. but it's the it's a problem that we you know as women right. if we're if we're like proclaiming feminism have caused right because we're like you you know what i mean like i can do it myself right. like no like hold him responsible mm. for the child that he's created right. you know exactly it would you know it's just an issue, issue yeah, it's responsibility yeah yeah and so um let me ask you all this um this one is more of like just a super practical super applicable sorry applicable conversation um what are some examples maybe you've either you've either seen on campus of feminism existing or just in church or just in the world of like what are some what are some examples maybe you guys could think of or heard of or whatever like specifically i don't know like a ton of people on campus who would be like yeah i'm a feminist i know very few people like that so for me, I think that like specifically at Boyce College, and I don't want to judge every girl's intentions there, but generally speaking, there's an air of, you know, knowing that women can't preach and that's good, yeah. Um, but not really giving like a reason why that's grounded in creation. It's just kind of this arbitrary thing. It's like, well, because the Bible says so. But like, there's reasons for that, right? There's reasons. It's because men are made to be spiritual fathers and qualified men, only qualified men. And we're not saying necessarily that professors haven't given those examples we're saying that specifically maybe people haven't heard or listened to those those why and reasons behind it right and i also think that just there's within not just at voice but within of like within all of evangelicalism there's just a downgrading of motherhood that i really don't appreciate like for example in the founders documentary they talked about how there was like that conference that they had where it was like J.D. Greer and Beth Moore and then this whole panel of women where they talked about how women can serve in the church, how women can glorify God. Um, Because they were like, all right, we affirm women can't be lead pastors, but how can women glorify God? How can women be used in the church? And they listed like 10 or 15 things that were, you know, all even potentially valid. Mm -hmm. I might have disagreed with some of them, but, you know, they were like, you know, missions, uh, children's ministry, all of these areas that women can serve in. Great. But they didn't even mention motherhood. Like they didn't even say the word. Yeah. And like like the Bible honors motherhood as like the highest fame that a woman can have. Yeah. And so I think that it's kind of like a sin of omission, right? That most people fall into where they, they focus so much on the like, well, what can we do in the church? And they don't put motherhood at like the top of that. Like you can be a missionary and a leader to your children, like first and foremost. Like that's a high, high honor. And so it's that kind of sin of omission that that smacks of feminism that isn't yes. necessarily like, you know, where, where they'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm a feminist. But it's like just a general lower view of uh, of motherhood than than I would want to support. And like to answer your question. So like in in the church, I think we see another example of that is just. Uh, women doing the function of the pastor without being called a pastor. Uh, women like Beth Moore. Um, I mean, look at, um, let's see, for example, like Joel Osteen's wife is listed as a pastor of that church. Right. But that, they're not even like Christians. Like, so I yeah, really no, but them. I mean, it's just like, right. you know, it's just a, an example of somebody that is a proclaiming believer. Right. That just explicitly screams that kind right. of stuff. And in most denominations, there's no problem with, with women pastors. But like within the SBC, it's not allowed technically within the uh, within this within our right now. Baptist faith and message. It's not allowed. But they're still finding like people are still finding ways like around the language that we use in the Baptist faith and message yeah. where they're like, okay, well you can come and you know you can be a guest preacher, but you're you know we're just not going to call you pastor. You can do all the things of a pastor, but you're not going to be technically an elder. And like within the Christian and Missionary Alliance, which is the missions organization that my parents are with, yeah, they just say that women can't be lead pastors. Like you can be like an associate pastor or a youth pastor, but you can't yeah. be a lead pastor. And I'm like. Like, we made those things up anyways. Like, the Bible yeah. puts all pastors on the same level, and they're all supposed to be men. Like, even, like, the female pastor is an oxymoron, right? Like, pastor right. is definitively male. It's like saying female father, because pastor is a spiritual father. And so, yeah, that's definitely one within the church that, that we see is just, like, a practical outworking of feminism is, is making men and women equal and then giving them equal authority and role within the church and just not giving it that title. Right, right. Now, I think 
I think, you know, we talked about abortion for a minute, right? We talked about, we, I think that kind of came up somewhere, maybe at the beginning of this or whatever. But um, but when we talk about abortion, you notice how, like, it's really um, elevated as uh, in the progressive uh, mindset, in a progressive person's mindset or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, because it's called pro-choice, right? So that's empowering women right, women's rights. to make a choice about how they want to spend their life. But my argument is is that you're directly affecting another person's life. So so my my rights are going to end where someone else's begin, right? They should. And so when we look at it from a perspective of of that, that's probably the worst case, I would argue, or one of the worst cases that we see um, this female empowerment mm. moving towards is actually the death of other, other human beings. Right, definitely the most egregious. Yeah. Like, I'd rather have, you know, 100 female pastors than one than one woman who is for women's rights when, when it comes to abortion. Like, yeah. you know, it, my body, my choice, no uterus, no opinion. It's all these things that are like trying, again, trying to elevate women, uh, which could come even from a good heart. Like we do want to elevate women. Mm -hmm. We just want to elevate them the way that the Bible does. Yeah. And so that's what feminism does. It, it tries to elevate women and in the process it hurts people mm -hmm. and it hurts yeah babies it hurts the most innocent with that particular scenario well, i would yeah. say like kind of a caveat however you want to say it uh to what you said about motherhood like and we'll definitely i would say do another whole podcast episode on this but like motherhood is the highest calling um i think people can go a little bit but i think people can go a little like there's confusion when we there's women that you know can't be mothers and i can't speak from experience because i'm not even like married or tried to yeah. have a child yet you know so i don't know like can i have children maybe maybe not <laughs> but um like we don't we also want to take care to think about you know women that can't be mothers like they're and, and that and god gives cases of that in the bible mm -hmm. um for sure but i think like we should also seek to you know just elevate women in a biblical way when like they can't be mothers. And mm -hmm. I think some of those roles in the church, there are especially ways that are fulfilling for a woman that like right. can't actually have her own children, mm -hmm. you know, but can have spiritual children. Right. Spiritual so, children. Right. They but, can play a mother role right. uh, to yeah. other women. And yeah. um, I and, think that's that di discipleship factor right. right there where that, yeah, like, we kind of talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. My so. sister is a disciple at one of my, I have two sisters, um, but the one that's, um, she's actually turn 18 tomorrow. So, yeah. um, but she is the disciple by a lady um, who cannot have children. She's married. They've been married, I think, like 15 years. Yeah. They celebrated. Um, and she can't have children. But she can, like, she is such a good um, person to disciple. And, like, Anna's been really blessed yeah. um, to have her as her, like, you know, mentor. So I think, like, definitely we could explore that in depth more. You know, Absolutely. Um, with a more, yeah. like, because that, yeah. that deserves a lot more focus than yeah. just like a mention. But, right, and I think yeah. that like when the Bible talks about women who can't have children, it, it laments over that. So like I think that's that's another area where, where motherhood is so highly honored is when, when women can't have children in the Bible, the Bible laments over that. And women in the Bible lament over that. Now, I don't think that means that like if you can't have children, it means that you can't be used for the kingdom. Like we're saying, we want to honor women who are that exception, who can be used in miraculous ways through missions, through being spiritual mothers. And, but we also want to say like, uh, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't encourage motherhood. Like there's a balance to be had there where like that is an exception. And it's one that we have to honor, one that we have to look at and say, uh, there are women who can't be mothers. Like we said on the, on the first episode that we did on feminism part one, um, how there's that saved through childbirth verse um that paul that paul talks about and that doesn't mean that women who don't have children can't be saved in that way like not at all we don't want to say that we don't want to say that at all we don't want to elevate motherhood too highly into like a salvific role or a like you're not fulfilling your purpose at all if you can't do this but we just want to elevate it the way that the bible does yeah i was trying to find this um i've been kind of going through genesis right now and with abraham and sarah and kind of that that story and and the lord has effectively like closed sarah's womb for a time and one of the things that's said in it is like it seems like uh i think sarah says this i was trying to find specifically but she goes um she goes okay i i'm this old and now you know i'm supposed to have happiness so she she looks at um having a child 
as her happiness, as her, like, now I'm supposed to have joy or whatever it, however the Bible says it right there. And it just, it was interesting because it shows how much we've changed from then to now because, like, we're, like, we're trying to find ways around having kids. Like, so many, like, contraceptives and all this stuff, you know, that, that, you know, Jackson loves to talk about and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but, you know, like, she could have, like, Sarah could have been, like, idolizing this too much, right? She could have, like, yeah. your satisfaction can't be in having children. Yeah. Um, God doesn't want you to be satisfied in anything but him. And so I think that's what he was showing them was like, I'm not giving you this thing now to teach you a lesson. Like I'll give it to you in my timing. I will give you satisfaction in my timing. Yeah. Like not your own timing. We want to make sure that at, like first above all, we elevate Christ and then we pursue these things in a God glorifying way. Yeah. Yeah. I would say like kind of on that note, and I was going to say this earlier, but kind of led right into it, but like, um, the female voice on abortion here. So, cause yeah. I know people hate a lot of, especially people that are for feminism, like hate when just men speak about abortion because, yeah. you know, like you said, no uterus, no boys. Yeah. Right? I don't know. But just to kind of add, I agree with what you said, but to add a female voice, like quite frankly, um, I'll say it's the nicest way possible. Your choice was um, before you were conceived with a child. Like, your choice was how you used your body then. Yeah. Um, and, and there are, I will say, there are cases of rape, and there are cases where, like, you didn't necessarily yeah. choose that. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't have great joy in having right. a child. Like, and, and again, like, I can't just say, because I'm not in this situation, but, like, mm-hmm. I would, you know, still, like, love and having a child. Like, yeah, there's trauma there, but, like, it's still a joy to have a child, to raise a child. Like, um, it's, yeah, just children are just a, a joy to have. Right. Just, Especially if we have the yeah. church, right? The church yeah. should be coming around women who are in those scenarios where they don't want to have a child, where it's a crisis pregnancy, where, like, there is no scenario where killing your child is your choice, where that's okay. Um, there's no scenario where that's a redeemable thing. There's no exceptions. Um, there are ways around you having to raise a child on your own. And if the church is doing their job, you won't have to. Yeah. You could, like, you know, worst case scenario, you could give your child to a member of a church. You could put it up for adoption. Um, abortion is the most evil and selfish thing going on. I feel like we're so numb to the numbers going on around us, just the Holocaust that we see mm-hmm. right now. Like, yeah, it really it really bothers me. We'll definitely have more episodes on abortion for yeah. sure because, like, like, every Christian needs to be extremely passionate extremely clear this is not about a woman's right this is not about women being honored highly like it's the most egregious and evil thing in our generation possibly in any generation in history is abortion um so it's it's anti i would say it goes against what even feminism preaches right Mm -hmm. because it's killing thousands of little women every year um it goes against feminism and it obviously goes against biblical views of men and women right but i think it's also just also briefly we talked about this kind of before we really got into the episode but like it's about um us wanting to have control that we don't have like that we shouldn't have Mm. you know we shouldn't be able to have the control to say yeah well i've conceived a child but i don't want that child like so i'm gonna kill it Mm -hmm. now if you don't want that child like i mean i wouldn't agree with not wanting a child but like you could still like you said give it to like up for adoption or someone that like can't have a child and really does want a child you know but like it's about a control that like we shouldn't have and Mm -hmm. people also make the argument well what if like the mother's life is threatened well like what a selfless act like one of the most selfless acts like you know that you're going to die Mm -hmm. but that like you're not going to murder another human being or that you're going to give your child a chance like Mm -hmm they would know like what love they would know like right. my mom died for me right. like my, it was either my life or hers and yeah. she died for right. me there's yeah. no greater love there's that. no That's greater love than someone lay down his yeah. life for his friends like right. what a picture like the clearest picture of Christ's love like, right that you would die for your own yeah. child knowing right and I also think that like when people use that that example it, like if that's the first thing you bring up like that's not 99% of the cases 99% of the time it's that somebody's broke and they're scared and they're 
their boyfriend, their husband, their whatever, their one night stand is just not a man and he's not willing to be there to help you. And I'm not saying that that's not a hard situation. I don't want to paint it as, as if they're like crisis pregnancies, you know, like you're fine. Just like, you're fine. Just have the baby. Like, of course not. Like we see the effects of sin. We see the effects of, of premarital sex and the effects of what that, like the consequences of that. And there are deep consequences to that, but there are things that we have to deal with as men and women, as, especially as people who are under God's law, uh, who, uh, who clearly commands us, you know, thou shalt not murder. Um, yeah, I don't know how we got so much on abortion, but, Sorry. Yeah. but that's all right. I don't know. This will probably be one of the areas where I, I don't know. I, I might, y'all might disagree with me on something here because I, and, and y'all might change my mind as well. Um, but I've always believed that abortion is totally wrong until that point to where it comes to, okay, um, I, I think it's the father's role to protect his wife. And so that's why I think in my head, I guess instinctively, I'm like, I'm like, if the baby, if it's the baby or my wife, you know, instinctively, what do you, what do you say there? You see what I'm saying? So like, that's I think one it's of also the father's role to protect his children, though. Yeah. yeah. So like, you, but if is it your first priority, your wife? No, your first would, priority is both of them. Yeah, I would say, <laughs> I would say like. I, again, like when I was, what you were saying, like it's not an easy, just like oh, clear cut decision. I would say like you would have to be like a like the Lord gives you extra grace there. Your first instinct is like oh, well, it's me or my child. Well, well, bye. Like you know, like right, yeah. it's not it's not an easy. Like there's a wrestling there, but like doesn't that also like as I mean I'm not you know in that role again, mm-hmm. the man in the situation, but like wouldn't that also like just give you such love for the sacrifice that your your wife would right, make. You know, right. there would be like such grief there, but like knowing like I feel like that should make you love your child more. Right. That should make you love the the Lord more, like as he brings you through that trial and like gives you grace like through that. Yeah. You know? Right. So that, but I know what yeah, you're I saying. Mean, like that would be totally case by case. Yeah. And there's scenarios where like you can't say like it's murder. Like we like but yeah. it's it's hard because that is case by case. We can't know what we would do in that scenario. Right. No. Right. We can't say that, you know, if it comes down to the wife or the child, you choose one or the other. I don't think we can say that definitively yeah. at all. Um, but I think, like you said, God gives God gives grace in those areas. He, he would give the wisdom there. Yeah. I mean, and I would say probably like a lot of the time, like it, like if I was married and I was about to have a kid, you know, you think about it. Okay, well, I think that my wife in that situation would be like, would be like, no, like, like save the kid. And I would be like, but my first instinct is to protect you. And if this is going to kill you, so like, that's why it's my first instinct in that way. But that could be also like selfishness as well. But like, it's a hard well, it's a hard balance, a you know? That's not it's, a bad So, yeah. yeah. But it's just like also again, where complementarianism comes in and where feminism can destroy that, like, you, your wife is like, no, like, let me sacrifice. And you're like, no. And, like, that fits together beautifully, like, mm. in that, you know, you kind of balance each other out. Mm. Right. You know? It's all about loving one another. So, yeah. like, when we're talking about abortion, there's no love involved there. Um, when we're talking about scenarios like this, it's like, how do we love one another best? Those are the conversations that we should be having. Yeah. Yeah. But this turned into an abortion podcast. Yeah. But. Okay, abortion it's has deeply, a lot to do with yeah, it. Does. It does. Yeah, it does. It yeah. does. Um, I think a lot of this mindset, though, where we're coming at it from, is I think this is because a lot of people that we're around now have been discipled really well by Hollywood. And so I think what happens is when we watch a lot of these movies, a lot of these TV shows, you see, what do you see most of the time? And I always hear about people pointing this out. Um, but a lot of the times, the the dad's kind of the goofy idiot that does the goofy stuff. Mom's usually everybody that get, gets everybody on track and does all this stuff. So she's kind of like the leader of the family, and you know the kids do what they do. But mm. but the thing is, you watch that mom and dad role; it's reversed because and it and then not that moms are goofy idiots. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, no, no. I wasn't saying that. I was saying in Hollywood, it's reversed. Okay. That's what I was saying. Sorry, I misset. I like misspoke. Right. Yeah. Like, um, dad is not a very for sure. No, but, I, I totally agree. But I mean, like in Hollywood specifically, the dad's a goofy idiot a lot of the time. But right. but now dads are pretty goofy. Yeah, I know. And dads have room to be goofy. Yeah, but they don't have room to be idiots, and they don't have yeah. room to be like. 
Like, they yeah, don't lead well in Hollywood. For sure. They, they don't. Yeah, I don't yeah. think that I think that that's a picture of the culture. I don't mm-hmm. think that most dads lead well in the culture. We yeah. see even this like uh like I okay, so this is this is kind of a hard one for me. I've had to think a lot about this. The sentiment of like I totally don't deserve my wife and I'm like so unworthy. Like I understand the sentiment of that. Like that can be sweet, but you don't want to like take that out totally consistently because if you actually are unworthy of someone, like if you think that you're so like incompatible, mm-hmm. if you think that like like oh I can I can't even lead her. She's so mm-hmm. like so amazing compared to me. Then why would you marry her? Like that's just kind of mean. Right. Like you want to like if you're a woman, you want to marry someone who's capable. You want to marry someone who will lead you well. You want to marry a courageous, strong, bold man. And if you're a man, you want to marry someone that's capable. You don't want it to be this imbalance of like of value that I think yeah, that, that's what that I was like, could be kind of unhealthy. Your value goes totally down or shifts in a different way, in an right. inappropriate yeah. way. Well, so. I think it's kind of like a paradox. And I was just thinking of this this morning, actually. Um, but in a similar way in the gospel, like we can rejoice in the fact that we are unworthy. Yeah. But, but that has to be coupled with... Christ has made us worthy because sure. if you don't want to be like, I think Martin Luther was this very right, where he was just like kind of, he despised yeah. himself to, mm-hmm. to an extent that wasn't good. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you should like have definitely times of like grieving over your sin. Like, um, you know, I am not good. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But you have to counter with like, but Christ has made me worthy. So right. like glorifying right. Christ in that. And, and so like a marriage given, is a right. picture of Christ. Right. Yeah. He's given us the ability to, to obey the law, to yeah. be good. Um, and it just means that like when we fail, we have someone to turn to, to be like, oh yeah, I'm actually weak and, and, and inadequate. God's mm-hmm. really been teaching me that lesson the past like week or so, just been kind of struggling with things spiritually. And it's definitely like been God showing me how low I really am, that all of this strength that I thought that I thought that I had was a gift from him. It's not something that is mine. It's not something that... I've conjured up myself. It's something that he can give and take away and something that I want, something that I should be striving for, but it's something that is God's to give. It's something that is God's to take away. Mm -hmm. So just like in a good, like you're talking about in marriage, like in a good marriage, like, you know, I think as a woman, it would be like sweet, you know, it's all like, Oh, like you're such a wonderful wife. You know what I mean? Like, but like you're rejoicing in like the fact that like, Wow, like what a good gift God has given me. Right. And I think like a wife can do a similar mm-hmm. thing with her husband. Like, wow, like you lead like so well. And like mm-hmm. I've seen ways I'm inadequate in some ways. Like what a gift God has right. brought us together. We both sure. feel inadequate in these ways, but like we can mm-hmm. glorify him together. Right. Right. So I guess historically, where do you all see a transition from, okay, this was a right move for people that would claim they're feminists, if there is any, to where now we're like totally off the map with some of the things that people are saying that claim to be feminists. Right. So I would say that historically speaking, we see that a lot of this movement started with, you know, the women's suffrage movement with um, trying to get women equal rights with men uh, in the laws, in the voting, especially the big one was voting. Um, But then there was always left out like, Okay, so they wanted equal laws with voting, but not equal with, like, draft, um, which is good. We don't want equal equality with the draft, obviously. Yeah. So let's talk about voting for a second, because that's an interesting one. Because yeah. I'm not the guy who would sit here and say, I don't think women should vote. I'm not going to take that standpoint. But I would say that at the heart of feminism, at the heart of the women's suffrage movement, was not a good view of wanting women to vote. I think that there's a way to want women to vote that is biblical, and there's a way that it's unbiblical. So, like, like the Sheologians podcast, they they don't think that women should vote. Um, mm. And they have this reason for it that in the women's suffrage movement, it started because women wanted separation from their husbands. They wanted to be separate from their, you know, their patriarchal protectors, and they wanted to be able to vote totally autonomously. That's not biblical. A husband and wife should vote together. Like if there's like if your wife is voting Democrat and you mm-hmm. vote Republican, that's like a huge problem, right? Like that's not okay. That's like defiance one to your husband's leadership, yeah. and it's it's like they're that's like an unequal yoking. Um, Last time you said there was a point that was really interesting too. Not to cut you off, but um, you said, uh, and I, I kind of go back. I get this mental picture. I think a lot of people get this picture when it comes to. Uh, 
this kind of the the female empowerment movement that you know and all that you see the poster of the woman with Rosie the Rosie. with the uh, arm and all right. this stuff, you know? Yeah. And so that's always the mental picture for me, and I think probably for most everybody that thinks of this stuff, because you kind of, at least eventually, you start thinking about it, and it's like, yeah, that was back, you know, whenever. And, and you know, you don't, too, I think. you don't think of it, though, as like, I guess a lot of us, at least, don't think of it as a bad thing at first until you really start to look right. at the heart behind Cause, that. Because it, it really, yeah. it wasn't... Hey, let's see how we can be more of a team. Let's mm-hmm. see how we can be more complementarian. Let's see where we might be imbalanced in a wrong direction. Yeah. That wasn't what it was. Yeah. At its core, it was patriarchy is oppressive. We're the oppressed, and we want to separate from that. And that's not the biblical. Exactly. Way. And your point was is that what exactly what you see on that picture? Women seem to become more like men. Right. Right, that's what you said. Whenever they, whenever they adopt that yep. kind of mindset and that worldview, it seems like. And that picture, what it looked like, more like a man, like dressed and stuff like that, than a woman did. Well, so I'd say the Rosie the River that you're talking about, that was during war when women had to do jobs that traditionally, because women would only stay home. Like women yeah. did not really work that much, and like the men were going to war, so the women were like. I don't know all the details, but I know like the women were serving like in factories, like helping produce the things that the men needed to go to war. So that's not necessarily the worst thing. Yeah. But I think that people use it as like a. Mm-hmm. I, I know what you mean. There's like mm-hmm. feminist kind of vibes, like as yeah. yeah, like around it. But I do think like that specific instance was um, like. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, like we can do it. Like we can help our men go to war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too, but and I just wanted to have that conversation because yeah. Isaiah made that comment last yeah, yeah. time about the the females ending up looking a lot like, like males. Men. And so, so yeah. it was just an interesting thought I had, and I was yeah. like, I just kind of wanted to unpack that a little yeah. bit. But yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, that's that's definitely interesting. So, like, anyways. Back to that. Say on voting. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. That no, you're good. Go ahead. On yeah, voting, um, just something to kind of counter what Sheologians said, and I hadn't heard that. I'm fairly new to them, and like, yeah, I wasn't really entirely sure. Um, I'm also not entirely familiar with their uh, with what they say about it. Yeah. Because I know that they just like to grab attention, so they might just be in the same camp as me and say that yeah. they don't have a problem with women voting. They just want it yeah. to be done like as a complementary. Yeah. And I'd say like. But just like to that point, like what you're saying, like you don't, the intentions behind stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, intentions do matter. And like, it, it, I mean, we should know that, you know, intentions do matter. Right. But I think also we can see that God can redeem or like use sin for a good purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, not that we should, kind of like Paul says, should we send more um, so that grace may abound? Like, no, no, we should not send more that grace may abound. But because um, that's not the way it works. But we're, we're inherently sinful, mm-hmm. even as. Um, people who have been redeemed who are mm-hmm. um, in Christ like we still sin mm-hmm. but God can use sinful intentions sinful motives like for our good you know mm-hmm. even as a whole culture and so I think like even though the intentions certainly were not good um, in the women's suffrage movement like it's it's great that we can um, that we can vote you know I don't mm-hmm. think it's wrong yeah. for women to have a voice that's heard just as uh, right. much in some instances, you know, just as much as a man's voice is heard. Right. Like we're on this podcast, you know, that's kind right. of the point yeah. of that. Like I'm a female, so it's not just men talking about feminism. It's like the female perspective as well. Mm-hmm. So I think like just God can use wrong intentions and be like, Oh, this is, this For is sure. a good yeah. thing. You know, this is a good yeah. outcome. Sure yeah, that, so. absolutely. Absolutely. And I think we talked about this some, um, a little bit already. What do you think two places, I really talk, I really think about a lot of places we go to, you know, in just our daily lives. And so, you know, for me personally, I look at um, church, work, family, school. I look at these four places that, that I exist as a human quite a bit throughout my day. And then, you know, like social life, like this stuff, and then hanging out with friends and all that stuff, you know, that's, that's probably the fifth place too as well. I look at all these places, and how do you think feminism affects your places you just go to, like especially in our families specifically is what I kind of wanted to focus on. What I think we kind of already talked about this a little bit with the Hollywood thing, but mm-hmm. I just didn't know if you all wanted to talk any more about family dynamics specifically. I mean, I would just say that we should, kind of like we said earlier, we should encourage one another on to loving good works, 
and part of those good works would be to encourage women to be women and men to be men. Uh, if you have a family dynamic that doesn't support that, it's going to be a lot harder for you to kind of come into this world of, you know, the biblical view of gender and to try to support those things. Like, for example, I was raised in a family that does support these things, where my dad was the patriarch of our family, where he gave me a very strong male character to follow. I know a lot of men who didn't have that because fatherlessness is so rampant in our country. Um, so it's a lot harder for them to kind of get on board with this kind of stuff. So in the covenant of family, I think that God wants us to encourage women to be women. Boys, you should protect your sisters. There was that viral picture going around of that, yeah. that young boy who, who stepped in front of that dog yeah. for his sister. And he said, like, it, you know, I was thinking if someone was going to die, I wanted it to so be So you me. see it's instinctual at the even right. small stuff. Like, like his God dad died. taught him that. A yeah. father figure in his life taught him that. Like, that, does, that doesn't just come into his mind. Someone had to teach him that. So especially on the covenant level, we can do this with our families. We don't have our own families that we're over yet. But we have families, we have siblings, we have parents. We should be encouraging these kind of things and honoring them. Right. Like, if you believe this kind of stuff, but you're a jerk to your sister, you're not living it out, bro. Like, you're not living it out. We should be trying to live it out actively within our families. And I would say that that stretches out to the church and to the workplace and to to all Mm -hmm. areas of our life. Yeah, yeah. I would just say, like, complementarianism can be so beautiful, even in just that. Like, because I know... um, a lot of times, like, females like to be organized more. I certainly like to be organized, and so my life just not been <laughs> that way lately. But, like, you can be not, like, leading your home, but you can be supporting your husband, you know, like, yeah. in that. You know, like, hey, like, don't forget to do this, or, like, this needs to be done. You know, and, like, helping order your family, helping them get on time, like, making lunches, mm-hmm. and, you know, how you prepare meals, and how you can help, like, structure things and plan things, and just helping... Um, where a husband is lacking and even yeah. even in just like um, friendships or even on the blog maybe there's an area that you guys aren't looking at or an area where I could like counter with a softer voice to kind of balance out like the intensity yeah. of you know subject or an article or something like yeah. that's an awesome thing to be able to be like adding that softer voice to balance it out you know mm-hmm. so that we're not we're not the same mm-hmm. you know like we we're talking about the point of like men and women are not the same and that's an awesome thing right? yeah so mm-hmm. yeah and uh probably the, this is last or second to last thing i really want to get into when we look at like rebuking and revoking that's a biblical call and that's a call for christians to do in love uh but for the sake of furthering the gospel i believe and so when we think about these two things um how do we do that uh amongst you know other church members and amongst our our friends and families and (laughs) stuff like that how do we do that because we want to do it in love but how do you do that kind of stuff because that's a tough thing to deal with it is really tough and i would just say it's important not to overstep your boundaries. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't just go after every woman who's doing something that you don't like. Make sure that if you're going to rebuke someone, that you have all the logs taken out of your eyes, that you're doing it in love, that you're doing it for the right reasons, that you're doing it with those in your immediate circle. Um, because we don't want to just go around rebuking willy-nilly. It's a serious thing to rebuke a brother or sister, to call them out. But it's also a loving thing. Like, we want to exhort one another. We want to say, like, you know, and I think that if, if we have these conversations often, it's easier. Like, if no one ever talks about feminism, if no one ever talks about gender roles, mm-hmm. it's taboo and it's hard to ever talk about it. Right. But if it's talked about often, if it's if womanhood is seen as good, if manhood is seen as good, then it's easier to have those conversations. It's easier to be like, hey, dude, you're not acting like a man right now. Or, hey, I think that that was kind of feministy of you little sister Miriam like Miriam you're acting like a feminist right now like you got to cut that out and there's a way that that we can talk about those things in a good way that does encourage one another on we want to be open to rebuke ourselves 
and like I said, take those logs out of your eyes, be able to um, see clearly to take the speck out of your brother or sister's eyes, and don't overstep your boundaries. Yeah, it's super interesting, dude, that you go into like awkward topics can and how they can become awkward topics or whatever and how we just don't talk about that stuff because you know you think about i think that's one of the reasons and we don't got to go into this at all because i want to hear what you say have to say about it but um when it comes to this stuff you think about i think this is why the church has such a problem with sexual identity right now and knowing what that means and stuff like that and what what the what 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 is a transgender person what is a person that identifies as a uh, a boy that's actually a girl you know or vice versa i think that's why the church has such a problem with that and you see a lot of people differing on their views of these things because they haven't talked about it they haven't got thoughts together about it and really gathered what they believe and stuff and primarily it's not talked about from the pulpit but yeah and in the same case here with feminism so i mean you know i i just I kind of want to get into your thoughts specifically about this. This is probably um, what I most want to hear out of this is is your perspective on this right here because I feel like we've done a lot of talking about this on the past two ones we've done, but we haven't heard it from like a female voice. So I would say like it can be awkward like we're talking about, um, and we can be too timid. Like I can certainly be too timid on some things, but I'm also one of like the most awkward people in the world. Bad timing, <laughs> like for everything, like just. It crazy so <laughs> like I think not being afraid of talking about it but also just um, seeking opportunities to talk about it so like we all are part of you know the counterculturalist we make this podcast we do the blog um, and just like you don't want to be one of those people that just like seeking out a fight on social media you know right. but using it as a platform to be like hey I'm open to discussion mm-hmm. also having a humble attitude uh, in general I think it's about cultivating a life that one models biblical femininity and biblical mm-hmm. masculinity right. like especially um, especially marriage but also not just mm-hmm. like we're talking about um, allowing others to serve you you know what I mean or even mm-hmm. even if they don't even like even if another man like wouldn't wasn't realizing you know that that they may look back on that later if I've asked them for help with something, you know, at work or wherever, um, that, you know, letting them serve well. Um, but yeah, just not being afraid to talk about those things. And also like, like you were saying, making sure that to your knowledge, you know, you're not just like actively championing, championing a topic that's Mm -hmm. like feminism or actively championing something that's against what you're trying to argue for. Um, or there's a, you know, that there's just in your life that's open like that. But I think a lot of people learn well from modeling. You know, mm-hmm. I think like some of the best couples, um, best marriages have learned from other married couples. For you sure. know, have some of the best um, friendships have even learned from other friendships. So mm-hmm. I think just giving yourself opportunities, like and seeking out opportunities to where you can even have a, not even necessarily a big platform like a blog or a podcast, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. but like just seeking out good conversations right for sure take take yourself under mentors um be uh be teachable and i would say like the biggest thing is you know our primary example of this our primary example of how to love one another well is found in scripture we see it in christ we see it in the way that he lived his life the way that he laid down his life for others um and so we want to be very clear like get into the scriptures, see what they want to teach you, submit yourself to the word of God, let it be your model, let it yeah. be your your life, let it be what guides you. Um, and then, yeah, let let those wiser around you teach you. Um, get around couples who are complementarian and do it well. Learn from your parents, and then you can teach others around you as well. Yeah, and I think, like, but we do, like, we can remember, and I think would aid in our humility, like, that we can remember above all. Um, that even the SBC, like mm-hmm. just in general, like even we as people, like we don't want to hold so tightly to our ideals to where like we're causing a hindrance or like mm-hmm. even holding something as more important right. than the gospel. Because even if there are different opinions, even if someone's wrong on their view of mm-hmm. femininity, you know, even if someone's wrong, at least to some extent, right. in their view of masculinity, you know, or, or, or just anything like that, like it's like, are you following Christ, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, ultimately, if, like, we're holding the gospel as, like, the highest thing, like, mm-hmm. even way above these things. Like, right. these things stem from the gospel. Mm-hmm. These things stem from our understanding yeah, of Christ, the example that he gives us. And, like, 
um, just how he tells us to love one another in the gospel. Like these things are stemming from that and from a proper understanding and like praise God that like, you know, like that we to the best of our ability at the counterculturalists, you know, and even us here, like that we are like seeking to understand these things, you know, with a heart of humility and like definitely like I wouldn't, at least for me, like I wouldn't be taken as like the example of perfect commentary. Like we're not perfect, but you know, like just as long as we are, um, we want others ultimately like they will be changed. Mm -hmm. Other people will be changed by proper understanding of the gospel. If they are Christians and just how I need to grow in their understanding Mm -hmm. or like ultimately like our, our world isn't going to change um, wholeheartedly mm-hmm. unless like unless they're Christians and right. we're not going to ever live in a holy Christian society like and if we have that idea in our mind we just got to let it go it's not going to happen right. we live in the world like it's yeah. not going to be you know until Christ comes back it's not going to be the mm-hmm. new New York but like the gospel is what really changes hearts and changes right. minds ultimately yeah. right. so keep the gospel the center yeah. of all of your conversations yeah. all of your disagreements all of your exhortation keep the gospel the center of it and you're not going to steer as wrong as you would otherwise. That's really, um, I think it's a really solid note to end on. I want to thank uh, Lydia for helping us mm-hmm. uh, find a place to uh, to talk about this stuff <laughs> because we had a little trouble at first finding a place, and we may have set a couple alarms off. Just saying, but <laughs> and I'm not saying whose fault it was at all. It's you know, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> But but no, it was awesome, and I'm so glad we got to uh, finally do this. So uh, thanks for jumping on and uh, helping us out and everything. And, you know, does anybody want to pray for us? If not, I can. I'm happy to. Okay. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for Lydia joining the Counterculturalist team, being able to be on this podcast and bring a feminine voice to this conversation. Lord, I thank you for your good design. I pray that we would seek to submit to your word, submit to your calling for our lives, that we would be people of the word, that we would be people who desire to be like you in every way. I pray that we would fight to keep the gospel the center of all of our uh, all of our hearts and all of our minds. Um, protect us as we go out today. Um, and I just, uh, I thank you for this conversation, Lord. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode, the third episode of the Counterculturalist Podcast. Make sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram. You can find our other podcasts, American Sojourners and the Grandpappy Podcast, over on our Facebook, on our Instagram, wherever podcasts are found. Go to www.counterculturalism.com to read what we write. Um, look forward to hearing from Lydia writing on there and, and the rest of us. Um, and God bless.